Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there. The Rewatchingtons, bomb in its full Ooh. and unadulterated cut, early drops of Cinephobe episodes, and so much more. You said the OG pod. Now, is it new or is it old? Mace, I'm glad you asked that. It is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old OG pod. Oh. So it's me, Zach, Trey, Waz, Tom. I love those guys. Just like we always were. Going back to the True Hoop days, mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic, recapturing it, and putting it back out. We're talking hoops. We're talking pop culture. And most importantly, we're talking for 40 minutes for free. Mm-hmm. But then another specific Patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes. Funny enough about that OG pod, you're getting Tom and Trey on Mondays. You're getting me and Waz, aka Zosny, on Wednesdays. Amin's floating in between. I'm a floater. You never know when you're going to get Amin in those, so you got to listen to them all. And what if I'm not sure what Maze looks like? Because I've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora. He's got a weird voice. How can I see for myself what this Maze character actually looks like? It's crazy you don't know the answer to this. Hmm. because it's the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. What? The CT5s on the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. You can look at all of us. You can get all the OG pods on YouTube too at CountTheDings1 on YouTube, at Cinephobe Pod on YouTube, patreon.com slash CountTheDings gets you everything all in one feed. You can link it to your Spotify. And now enjoy the show. Hey, listener, Zach Harper here, Underdog Fantasy the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other, and whoever has more points points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do. That is your rival's pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick first-time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first-time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org, Arizona 1-800-NEXT-STEP, that's 1-800-639-8783, or text Next Step to 53342. New York, call the 24-7 Hope Line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome, welcome, welcome. God bless America version <laughs> of the woke bro. Do you need a fireworks in the background, Mike? That's right, Rob, Rob, where you at? Rob. We, we, we celebrating independence for everybody but the slaves in 1776, the anniversary, man. America won its independence, but just not the black people. And I don't want to be that guy, but this is the woke bros. This is the I'm woke big bros. You know, That's you know, Michael Brooks. This is an opportunity to make that. Here's my thing, though. Don't just tweet that on social media. Tweet out. And the Jacobin Magazine, we had Bhaskar on a couple weeks ago. They printed today, they reprinted Frederick Douglass's 1852 essay, What to the Slave is the 4th of July. So don't just tweet that out. Tweet out the article. Get some nutrition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, you know Michael Jamal Abdul Shabazz Brooks <laughs> is yeah, in the building. that tip right now. Is in the building. Yeah, we are super on that tip. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fourth though I hope everybody's celebrating with their families man enjoying themselves yes, scarfing yes. down some non-kosher hot dogs and just and just keeping it pushing is you're not wait, wait, wait hold up you're not gonna give Nathan's <laughs> any credit scarfing and Nathan's kosher hot dogs really that's in the mix that's a oh, good thing okay shouts to Nathan's then I, I didn't realize I had to shout them on the fourth but shouts to Nathan's well you said non-kosher so I'm just saying there's there are some kosher options that pull their weight in the, in the game that's all I'm touche touche my Jewish my identity politics I guess <laughs> <laughs> we already starting off with, <laughs> on a 10. Um, today, we're going to talk about, we're just going to brush up on the Democratic debates, the initial wave. This is the first one, the first of many. Um, I think we're out of the blocks kind of nice as far as the issues that were touched on, um, as far as the issues that are being highlighted already. We'll see what happens further down the road with the debates. So we're going to touch on that. And it was some fireworks, surprisingly. That's usually not the case in these early debates. But these, this early debate, you know, was able to provide some fireworks. So me and Mike are going to touch upon that. But first, man, I, I got to give it to little Nas X, man. This kid has the number one song in the country. Not the number one rap song, not the number one country song, but the number one song, Billboard's number one song, 13 weeks in a row. Three months straight, this man's song has been number one in the country. Most streams of anything out there. Taylor Swift is dropping new projects, dropping new singles. She can't, She's getting number two constantly for a song that's been out and is just riding an incredible wave. And on the last day of Pride Month, this, this kid came out the closet and he did it with a tweet. And I'm going to quote it for you, Mike, really quickly. It says, some of y'all already know... Some of y'all don't care. Some of y'all are not going to fuck with me no more. But before this month ends, I want y'all to listen closely to Closure. And he ends it with a rainbow emoji, a star eyes emoji, and a star emoji. True say, I want and I need to let go. Use my time to be free. It's like it's always what you like. It's always what you like Why it's always what you like It's always what you like uh, Ain't no more acting, man, that 
forecast see, I should just let me grow No more red light for me, baby, only green, I gotta go Pack my past up in the back, or let my future take a hold This is what I gotta do, can't be regretting when I'm old incredible uh the, the, this moment that we're in in 2019 um obviously it didn't take long for mayor pete to hop on his coattails and pander 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 mayor pete uh was he took a break from shredding police brutality complaints to recognize this right uh, yeah. And by the way, and I don't want to diminish what it means for Mayor Pete to even be a, 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 as serious a gay candidate, as an openly gay presidential candidate has ever been. I don't want to take that away from him. But, you know, I got to look at him hopping on the tweet and putting his. See, I don't want to take that away from him, but I want to take every single thing else away from him. Facts. Trash. Facts. And, and, and Mike, the, the reason why, man, as, as a kid, a, a child of the 90s, you know, I was born in 87, but right. and this is going to be an aside. This is one of those things that gets on my nerves. Like I was born in 87, but I'm not an 80s baby. I did not come of age in the 80s. Right. I was two years old when the 80s ended, right? So I'm a 90s baby. People often mess up that term. I'm a 90s baby. I'm a child of the 90s. I remember when there was this sort of gay panic within the hip-hop culture of, you know there's a gay rapper, right? Right? Like this idea that there was this closeted gay rapper and we had to find him and suss him out because if we didn't, it would be you know impugning upon the purity of hip-hop. Right. I remember those days. <laughs> right, I came right, up right. in those days. I remember that. And so for this kid to be as successful as he's been. Right. And even if he doesn't do anything else for the rest of his life, he's going to be able to make money on this song. He's going to be performing Old Town Road at bar mitzvahs basically until <laughs> the day he dies, Mike. And I'm not trying to be racial. Oh, without a doubt. You know what I'm saying? Like this, like for him to achieve this. And in the in in like the basically the eye of the tornado, I just mixed up my metaphors there, but it you know basically in the eye of the storm of his success, for him to come out and be like I'm an openly gay man, I, I it, like for me for somebody who's of the culture, this is uh, this seems like a seminal moment to me. Yeah, I mean it definitely is. My mind goes back to Frank Ocean a uh, couple years ago and. You know, that was definitely he had the support of the marquee people, Jay-Z and so on. But it felt Kanye, different. Beyonce. Kanye, it felt different. And, you know, and I think obviously partially it's because of Frank Ocean's, um, you know, artistry and personality. I don't think that he's been out of the eye because of that necessarily. But nonetheless, like as you said, right before we started recording, like Frank Ocean came out and then you kind of didn't hear from him and people, you know, for those, because culture moves so fast, I'm sure that most people listening to this definitely are aware, but you know, there Frank Ocean was a very big deal. I would say from, I don't know, 2011, 2014. I mean, one of the most 
kind of versatile, interesting, uh, raw, definitely raw, an overused word, but in his case, very emotionally raw, visceral artist, songwriter. Um, so yeah, but I think it's, you know, to me, it's, it's just an interesting, you know, this, this broader parallel, like I was talking with, um, Anthony Fontano on TMBS the other day, who does that great, um, the needle drop, uh, music nerd, like King music reviewer on YouTube. And we were talking about a whole bunch of things. And one of the things though, was how like, you know, when we were kids as nineties kids, you know, it was culture was very, in addition to like the homophobia and hip hop and homophobia everywhere, there was like a real, like just even the way he's a star, right? He's a rapper who has a country song, you know, when I was, and it sounds so embarrassing and ridiculous in retrospect, but when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, it was really like, you know, people define themselves like, and I listen to rap, I listen to grunge rock, like, and neither, you know, and none the twain. Not even just I listen to rap. I listen to underground rap. Yeah, or I listen (laughs) to rap, or I listen, or I listen, you know, strictly to metal, or I listen to, you know, and now it's like not only is that not true in pop culture, it's it's not cool to be like that. What's cool is to listen to every type of thing. It's cool to be you know, fluent in every genre, you should have a deep appreciation of Nirvana and Biggie, and you should be waiting for some new like electronica thing from Sweden to drop, but also be really excited about, you know, Taylor Swift or certainly, um, fuck, can't believe, uh, (laughs) how am I, how, how the fuck am I forgetting her name right now? Uh, I can't believe oh, rapper um, Cardi, Cardi B. B. Cardi B. Cardi B. I have no idea how that happened. Ow. I'm I'm getting <laughs> by on really not enough sleep, but that's the point. So you know, and then of course on the other hand, we have this you know global movement of authoritarian politics. We have this you know, we, children are kidnapped in cages and ice. We have this overt, aggressive governmental and law enforcement white supremacy and, you know, all of this radicalization going on at the same time that, and this is, I think, a real point for pop culture and, uh, you know, not to idolize it. We can interrogate it. There's always problems, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is, is that pop culture and music in this way continues to move in more and more like expansive, dynamic, interesting boundary collapsing, you know, direction. So even though I'm sure, of course, he's going to get heat for this, it's depressing that he even needs to say that some people won't fuck with him anymore. It's going to be there. It's going to be real. Obviously, there's still a massive amount of homophobia. But on the other hand, it's also, you know, it's 2019. He gets praised by presidential candidates. Certainly not going to affect his place on the charts. And it will not affect his place in the broader culture of hip hop either for that matter. Hey man, Mike, I, I, you know, beautifully said, and I'm happy that you brought up the Frank ocean parallel because I remember when that news came out and he kind of dropped a, a letter on, t- on his Tumblr. And that was genuinely shocking throughout the entire community slash culture or whatever. I remember vivid. I vividly remember a conversation with somebody who I'm close with. And um, one of his biggest songs on the radio 
he said like on the, in the song he said a tornado came across my room before you came <laughs> right? right and he was he was explaining to me he's like you know what that lyric actually means with context now yeah i was like <laughs> yep <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, it's 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 crazy. And and it legitimately felt shocking. And now, conversely, with little Nas X, honestly, the conversation is just like nobody actually cares. Like people everybody right. I talk I've spoken to about it is like, good for him. Good for him that he's able to live his truth and he's riding the wave of literally, and I was talking to Rob about this in the streaming era where literally um, you know, iTunes where you could buy it for a dollar, they're done with that. And, you know, physical copies is done. It's probably been about three years of that. Maybe you could say four, maybe. But in this digital, all digital era, this is the biggest song of this era. This kid has the biggest song of this era. You know, 13 consecutive weeks, number one, breaking all types of streaming records. And for him at the peak of that to do this, I'm, I, you know... Just as somebody as old as I am to remember what people used to say about, you know, gay people, man, in this culture, it's it's pretty cool. And in a time where it's hard to look at things and be like, wow, that was pretty positive and look at it in a way that isn't crazy cynical because I know the past and I know the history. Um, This is a pretty cool moment, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it is. It's definitely a cool moment. It's 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 sweet. It's it's nice. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's really what it is. I, and I think um, <laughs> what's funny what you said about that Frank Ocean lyric, it would be funny to, you know, I'm not going to pretend I'm not at this level of music nerdery. But if somebody went in and you oh, know, they really book. parsed. No, but at the time, Mike, like, I, no, no, no. I'm talking. There were people who went like, in and remember, did the, the surgery. Boondocks, I, remember that Boondocks episode where the whole point was that. What was it? Gangstalicious was closeted. And <laughs> all of his songs that were like the frame and the presentation was that this is the most hardcore, blah, blah, blah. But they were all, I mean, what was funny is that they still were misogynist because they were all basically like, women need to get the fuck out of the club because like we're trying to like find men. But of course, nobody caught that. And, and, you know, the, the little brother doesn't like Yui tries to explain to it's so, it's so funny. It's like the only boondocks episode I remember. He tries to explain all of the homoerotic lyrics and he's just like, nah, like gangs delicious is saying that like, you know, when you, when you do like moving weight, you need to know. And it's like each song just gets more like. Right. Oh, he's talking about having sex with another man right now. I know he ain't no real gangster, but that's cool. Because, see, he's in entertainment. He ain't got to be out in the streets like I do. He's telling our stories for us. So you're okay with him being gay? <laughs> gay? Who, who said he was gay? Nigga, is you crazy? <laughs> Gangstalicious gay. <laughs> you crazy. Come on, Riley. The song, the dance, I mean, do the homie. The homie dance ain't gay. I do the homie. That's not gay. You who thinks everything in the world is gay? Nigga, you gay. You gay. Y'all niggas are gay. Nigga, you gay. That's gay. Don't find any of this gay at all. Okay, so all that other stuff was gay. But Gangsta Licious ain't gay. You can't just go throwing that gay thing around, Huey. That's a serious accusation. You the one who said he kissed another man. What I had said was them dudes knocked me upside my head and I dreamed he kissed another man. How often do you have dreams about men kissing? Shut up. I never dream about my heroes kissing other men. Man, stop. This 
this whole conversation is making me uncomfortable. I dreamt about Muhammad Ali just last night, but he was fighting Joe Frazier, not kissing him. Ooh, gay ass nigga, shut up, shut up, shut up. Oh, I ain't listening to you. And it would be funny if in the Frank Ocean ethos, if you realize that, like, not only during all that 90s homophobia, there might there might have been some other subliminal stuff going on. Lord Jamar could be right. Lord, Lord Jamar is always right. I'm <laughs> kidding, guys. Do not cancel me on the Internet. No, no canceling. And I can't. Everybody, Joe, everybody grows. Right, so you know the democratic the, the first wave of democratic debates happened last week. They did them in two portions. Uh, you know, most of the reviews, it was a whole hum sort of proceedings. Everybody sort of got their talking points off, and then Kamala Harris, who it's obvious she rehearsed this. She was ready right. to get up in Joe Biden's grill. Right. Um, and it's obvious Joe Biden was not ready for this to happen in this sort of way, which says a lot about Joe Biden and the type of candidate that he is, like that the black person, one of the only black people on the stage ain't going to get at you for being down with white supremacists. But OK, whatever, Joe Biden, you get to be a sloppy ass presidential candidate because you white and old, whatever. I will say also that that in this campaign, we have also heard and I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it is personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful, to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. So I will tell you that on this subject, it cannot be an intellectual debate among Democrats. We have to take it seriously. We have to act swiftly. As Attorney General of California, I was very proud to put in place a, a requirement that all my special agents would wear body cameras and keep those cameras on. I just thought that was fascinating, Mike. I, 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 I just thought that exchange was just, it was crazy. Like, not crazy. What did you think about it? Joe Biden doesn't really get it. No, he doesn't get it oh. like he's and it's not even and I don't think this is man. I don't think this is a 2019. You don't get it. This is a, like you're not really close to any black people to understand why you wouldn't poo poo the idea of busing to a black person. <laughs> right. Like not to say that you got to be like, say it loud. I'm Joe Biden and I'm proud and all of that. You ain't got to <laughs> do all that. But like to not understand that you can't just poo poo the idea that some black people need to get a better education. And if they don't, it's not a big deal because their local government said it, it, it didn't matter. 
Like to say that out loud in public is just like Joe Biden. It's not that he's out of touch. He don't really know any black people. Yeah, Barack Obama's his best friend. <laughs> That's uh, his one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I agree completely. I mean, what is amazing, just I'll just say like on a, on a political level is that to me, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, please anybody who would, I'm not talking about the merits of this right now. Obviously, if you didn't support busing then or today, by the way, which we'll get to in a second, you're on the wrong side of history. But there is without a doubt in my mind, and particularly, inter, I think, frankly, intergenerationally, anybody like even above 40, maybe across racial lines, not anybody, but a lot of people, if Joe Biden said, look, I was a senator from Delaware, it's 1970s. I was doing these other initiatives to support civil rights. And at this time, maybe I thought it was both wrong on the merits, but also I'll be really honest, it was politically impossible for someone like me to take that kind of courageous stand. I'm wrong. I was wrong. I stand corrected. Here's my civil rights agenda for the 21st century. I think to be honest, besides people like us, that probably would put it to bed. So what is incredible is actually, and that's where the disconnect you're talking about comes in, is it's not just that he can't do that. It's that he is actually relitigating the argument and actually has people out on television, campaign spokespeople debating the merits of, and again, if you get into the historicity of busing, like there's some very specific critiques, right. That are like class-based that you could say like, oh, that's interesting that, you know, the people orchestrating it in Massachusetts, there was some truth of like, you know, elitist white liberals who live in districts that they're not having busing right. policies towards are, you know, implementing this as a social experiment amongst, you know, working class uh, people across ethnic divides. There's some problems with that. But the broader reality that we need busing, among many other things with education, is just wild. And, and but what's relevant, though, is that, you know, and again, I'll just own I'm the Bernie Sanders dude. Bernie Sanders actually is the only candidate so far who's put out a plan for what they're calling 2019 school desegregation. And he's talking about a, a busing push today. Now, we Kamala still need Harris, it. <laughs> it still needed 100%. Now, Kamala Harris had this amazing moment, and she is saying, um, basically, as of uh, yesterday or today, I think of busing as being in the toolbox of what is available and can be used for the goal of desegregating America's schools. Asked to clarify where she supports federally mandated busing, she said, I believe that any school, any tool that is in the toolbox should be considered by a school district. Now, of course, the bigger conversation is Biden's record. The even bigger conversation is the need for busing and desegregation today. But Kamala Harris, who I have no problem, I've said from the beginning, is very politically talented. But her level, like, it's peak. Joe Biden is so fucking out of touch 
And Kamala Harris will equivocate on seemingly anything. Yeah, Kamala Harris is, she's just your classic Democratic centrist, right? She doesn't want to get pinned down on anything because she always wants to be able to change her stance. Like, she always wants to keep the option open. She never wants to stay on one thing. And it's corny, quite frankly. It is. It's my least favorite thing about her because I do think she has... All of these strong characteristics, I think, like, I could tell she was prepared to speak, but I was still captivated by what she had to say. Like, she does come off as a strong presence and personality and somebody like, wow, this person has so many leaders. She seems to evoke leadership qualities, like, in her affectation. But, again, Kamala Harris, in theory, is so much better than Kamala Harris just in practice. And that sucks, right? Um, and I mean, there's another thing going around of her. She's bragging about prosecuting banks. Name one. Yeah. And the most famous examples, she let Steve Mnuchin off of the hook for predatory lending so that instead of being jailed and, and or at the very least disgraced and charged, he's this fucking criminal operations treasury secretary. Like, come on. Yeah, Kamala Harris is inexcusable in, in in very, 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 very many ways. But, you know, I think it says a lot in the sense that <laughs> she was the one to do this with Biden and him bragging about having segregationist friends in the Senate. Yep. Um, of course, it matters that she's a black woman. That matters, right? Yep. Like maybe there were other candidates who could have and should have called his ass out too. But uh, you know, when it comes to the optics, it matters that she's a black woman. She's somebody who's benefited from going to racially, uh, you know, integrated schools. Uh, and, you know, she's made it to where the hell she is today, uh, partly because of that. So it, it, this stuff matters. Um, I just think, man, I know Biden is the quote unquote early favorite because he has the most recognition of everybody in the field, even a Bernie. Um but man, I, I just think he he's so open. He's so wide open on so in so many areas. Like it's just an open season on this cat in that type of forum. Like there's so many things to hammer this guy on in the climate of 2019 on the Democratic side. The way the party is shifting and moving, the direction is going. Man, yo, it's it's pretty refreshing to see. And um. Mike, I just want to get your thoughts on this on this because it's related to Kamala Harris and the Joe Bidens of the world. One of our favorites, Rahm Emanuel, came out and said, <laughs> Democrats can't win going to left. I just want to know what you think about that, man. So here's what I think, you know what I think about that? What's so crazy about that is like Rahm Emanuel's whole political reputation is built on bullshit. In other words, and I just talked with um, – there's a great journalist, Ryan Grimms, the political inter- uh, editor at The Intercept. And he has this amazing new book called We've Got the People. I think it's from – I think it's called We've Got the People, something like from Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow to AOC. It's kind of like – about the history of the, you know, in the Sanders campaign and all of this stuff, like the history of the modern, like progressive push inside democratic politics. Right. And he's like, look, Rahm Emanuel got his start for Bill Clinton in 1992. Bill Clinton, that's 12 years of Republicans in power 
And George H.W. Bush's presidency is starting to wane. The economy's slow. Almost any Democrat would have won that election. In 2006, Rahm Emanuel is the point person for Democrats taking back the House. He runs on nothing. He, I mean, he split, literally is explicitly saying, like, don't have a position on the invasion of Iraq, which is the biggest thing happening in the country. The Republicans have an invasion of Iraq, and what people don't remember is that there literally was a congressman who was accused of pedophilia and the Republican leadership covered for him. Like it was so wild and so corrupt that the Republicans lost by default. And then Rahm Emanuel's mayor of Chicago was so hated um, for all of the right reasons from everything from. Which takes uh, a lot in a city like Chicago, which a lot of people don't know. It's like machine politics to the umpteenth degree. <laughs> and Rahm Emanuel is degree, and, and yet every way he fucking, I mean, so just the idea that you would listen to Rahm Emanuel on anything is a joke. I mean, this guy is one of the most hack, <laughs> bigot, gentrifying, war promoting, but also incredibly boring beyond mediocre people in the history of American politics. And also like when they say left, that just doesn't mean shit. I'm sorry. A vast majority of Americans want healthcare. They hate Wall yeah. Street. They don't he want- He just doesn't know what he's talking about. And they're also increasingly opposed to war and the military industrial complex. I mean, he knows where his check's at. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like the bottom line is that you, like when you watch- Hosts on MSNBC disrespect Bernie Sanders. And it matters not just because the campaign matters, but because when you disrespect Sanders, you're disrespecting like the entirety of the American working class because he's the candidate that represents that. What you really have to start to look at is like these are literally just mediocre, well-fed one percenters who are employees of Comcast. Like, of course, they're not going to like Bernie Sanders. They'll, They'll personally pay a higher rate. That's a fact. That's a fact. And, and, you know, and we can end the show like this and we, and it's just something that we constantly hit on, on this show. Barry's got a few blemishes, a few, few, few of them. Obviously Geithner, obviously Yemen. Yep. Obviously Rahm Emanuel, man. (laughs) Like God damn. Actually, but check this out from my perspective, that's actually a whole lane Rahm Emanuel and Geithner, definitely two of the worst, I mean, just despicable, including to what they're doing today. We talked on this show about how Geithner is, you know, profiting. I think it was off a of payday loan. Bro, listen, hold on. He got a $600 million, I think, yeah, $600 million loan from, um, from uh, J.P. Morgan Chase for his of hedge course. fund that he started. Of he course. left the government Absolutely. and You're got a $600 million loan. Like, what? And dude, <laughs> that is and insane. Well, and then on top of it, and I know, I know maybe sometimes you and I might have a little bit of a different feeling about Hillary Clinton, but I think like we can all agree that obviously it was terrible for the country and the Democratic Party and for most sentient human beings that she was the nominee in 2016. Sure. Barack Obama, and we forget because, you know, Hillary Clinton was the big person he had to beat in 2008, but among the little flies he had to brush off his shoulder was Joe Biden giving it another try. 
<laughs> so Barack Obama, instead of bringing in new blood and general, I mean, he has bad instincts because I think, you know, genuinely bad uh, beliefs that are off. But like, I know why he has bad Joe instincts. Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton, he gave, I mean, there's a, the he gave them jobs. Yeah. Done. If it wasn't for Obama's administration. Yeah, that's a big fact. That's a big, 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 big fact. And to me, honestly, Barry's worst instincts are his Ivy League. Yep. My Ivy League bros are the smartest people in the world. I can get one of them to figure it out. They're smart. They're reasonable people. They're Ivy Leaguers like me. They know what the hell to do. Um, we, we're belaboring this point. I got to get back to hot dogs and burgers. Same. Mike got to do the same. Rob Lopez, man, my dog. I'm going to see you in Vegas very soon. Mike, I'm coming to New York for a week, uh, uh, July 21st. So we got to make sure we get up at some point in there. Yeah. I miss both of you brothers. I want to wish everybody a happy holiday. Even if you're not celebrating American independence, celebrating this time that you get to spend with the people that you love the most. And to me, that's what's most important. Um, of course, make sure y'all get out to Mike's show in Chicago. And what date is that, Mike? August 24th, Lincoln Hall. August 24th in Lincoln Hall. Count the Dings is coming to San Francisco in October. Make sure y'all looking out for that. Yeah, be on the lookout for more Woke Bros. More, you know, black opinions matter. Make sure you rate, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend, man. We out of here. Later, y'all. All right, guys. That was All right, great. Guys, perfect. Enjoy, All guys. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. 
See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.